What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. Folks, I think you know what time it is. We are back for a brand new episode of Who Pods the Watchmen. I'm Grant, and along with me is... Clay. And we are talking about Chapter 7 of the comic. It's been a few weeks, Clay, since we've uh, you know joined forces to tackle one of these issues. It's so nice. Yeah, issue, not nice use of issues. Right? We, uh, we, we got some issues. Some yeah. sexual repression. No, it is nice to see your beautiful face. Um, you know, you were off. I don't know what you were doing, but I didn't see you for a few weeks. I was off. I went to Paris. Oh, you were in Paris. Yeah. That's right. Gay Paris. I went to the City of Love. I went to Gay Paris for a couple weeks. It was pretty dope. And you also went to a, a beautiful, luxurious place. I did. I went to a slightly less luxurious place. Well, it was luxurious, but it was also smog uh, infested Mexico you, City. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought right. it was Lubbock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you yeah. went to Mexico City. I meant to go to Lubbock, but I ended up in Mexico City. So next time, get on I-35 north rather than south. <laughs> you made quite a uh, mistake. But I'll say this. In Mexico City, at a coffee shop, relaxing... I was able to look at the Watchmen, which you got me in France, which was lovely. It was Le Gardien, which was the French version of the Watchmen of the issue that we are discussing today. Right. Okay. So when I went to when I went to France, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm bragging every time I say, "Oh, when I went to Paris." Well, just call it France. Yeah. When I went to Paris, uh, I went to a couple different comic book shops, and I was trying to find um, like just individual like Watchmen issues or a a soft. Uh, paperback. Um, when version. you said soft, I got excited. <laughs> this is this is the episode to discuss uh, soft, yep. <laughs> softness and hardness. Anyway, um, and I couldn't find any. Uh, I, I found a couple like hardcover ones, but they're like also ultimate editions, and they're like 130 euros or whatever the fuck. And I was like, no thanks. I'm not. I'm not worth that much. Not worth the weight it would cost me to ship that thing back with me. So. I decided, I, I was like, fine, never mind, I'm not going to find it. And then I stumbled upon these individual massive size issues. Like, they took individual issues of the comic and, like, turned them into this. And I was like, oh, issue seven is when we get back. Here's a French version of that. Yeah, really lovely. I love it. And, you know, I don't know if the re- – not readers, listeners, if you're out there. I don't know if you care, but it's blown up and it's a larger size. It's like a magnum. Yeah. I guess, uh, of wine or champagne, you know, nothing else. So this is a really <laughs> cool edition, and uh, it's hardcover, hardback, however you say that. And it's just the single single issue here, um, and it's super sweet. It's really, really cool. The cover's different, so if there's any collectors out there, I'm sure you know more than I do on the subject. But, uh, yeah, definitely worth having. It is in French, and you happen to speak French. Yeah. Do you, do you read French? I read this one about half in French, and then I read it this evening, actually, right after work. Um, and I didn't want to mess this one up because I was eating a salad and a quesadilla oh, at the yeah. same time. So <laughs> I thought I would, you know, protect it. So I read it in English. But I do, I do read in French. Yeah. yeah. Did you notice any differences in like how maybe the translation affects the writing or anything? Uh, I mean. Not really. You know, like here, if we look on, on page three at the bottom in English, she says fire extinguisher, fire extinguishers, where the hell are the fire extinguishers? 
In the French version, she says, the extinguishers. Where are the fucking extinguishers? Oh. So slight variations, but, you know, the point, the point comes across either way. Uh, I'll say this too really quickly, and then we'll be done talking about vacation. Uh, <laughs> unless you'd like to turn this into a travel pod. We could just be travel pod. Yeah, let's be travel, travel pod buddies. Who travels with the Watchmen pod who travels? People? Yeah, who checks your luggage? Who's the luggage, luggage, the luggage checker checking luggage? This is yeah. what we're going to call it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Verbatim. Right. Yeah, try to spell that. Uh, I was in a lovely market and I came across a comic book seller and she sold me a ton of old Hellboys and even better, this is all in Spanish obviously, even better, the Death of Superman line from what, 1992, 1993? Right. Uh, these are all originals. So Wasn't... I don't mean to brag, but I have original Death of Supermans from in the Espanol. early 90s in Espanol that I cannot read but are super sweet. That's pretty right. And maybe your wife could read them to me one night. I don't know. Is that yeah, weird it, to say? This is a, a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm going to roll with it. Yeah. It's fine. Leave that in. Yeah, Leave yeah. that in. <laughs> uh, folks, before we go ahead and jump into this, uh, we planned to actually record this episode uh, a week and a half ago, I would say. But yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I just just to jump in, I think this was actually int- – I was thinking about this when I was reading this this evening. This was more like what it was like when people relied on the I- individual episodes or issues coming out. Right. So, I mean, it's been about a month since we've done this. I know you, you kind of staggered the episodes that came out, so maybe it hasn't been that long. But it's been about a, a three, three weeks or so, and it was kind of weird getting back into it after three weeks because this really should be read as a novel, not as a serialized thing. Did, right. did, did you get that sense? Yeah. To, to a degree. Okay. And I, was, I thought it was, it was interesting just like how we were coordinating and we, we, it just – it didn't work out the first time. And then just like Night Owl, we're, we're rising to the occasion. No, no longer impotent. We are we're, – we're fucking this episode. <laughs> yeah. We just needed to get up into Archie for a little bit. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, folks, before we go ahead and get into that, I did put up a question post on our Instagram. And if you guys are Instagram followers, occasionally occasionally you'll see me put up something in our little story mode so you guys can ask us questions. We have a couple here I wanted to address. First one comes to us from Derek Dombrowski who says, how do you think the cinematic transition will be from the graphic novel to TV? Well, what I learned last episode or last, do you call these episodes? What are these podcasts? Episode. Yeah. That works. Okay. The last episode, you know, I think I learned that it's not going to be a direct copy. It's going to be a continuation, right, about 30 years later. Right. So, I mean, for me, who knows? Will I mean, I guess we can think artistically, will it be really segmented? You know, will he use maybe like, I guess you could see him using like one or two minute camera angle shots that are kind of segmented just like these have the nine frames per page. That could be kind of interesting. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think of how it could how he could still pay homage to the art style. It doesn't look. I mean, I haven't seen the previews. I don't watch previews, but I doubt he's using these same weird colors and stuff. Right. I mean, I I, I think the the spirit will still be there, and there's certainly going to be plenty of winks and nods to key moments from the comic. Like there's a character in the upcoming show called Looking Glass who we see sitting on his his couch. Looking like um, kind of like a deadbeat dad, very similar to the comedian in the first issue of the comic before he's murdered. But he's also sitting there eating a can of baked beans out of a out of, directly out of the can, which is very Rorschach. And I'm like, okay, so 
there's winks and nods to different elements of what came before it in the comic book itself that are going to be remixed into this 30 years later uh, reintroduction to the world, I guess. Right. And, you know, speaking of food, you mentioned the baked beans. Uh, this issue, issue number, what is it, seven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, issue number VII uh, had the reintroduction of one of my favorite characters in the whole in the whole series, the Green Sugar Cubes. The Green Sugar Cubes yeah. are back. <laughs> Absolutely. I was glad to see them, and I hope they stick around for the next few issues. It's Soylent Green. Oh, right, right, They're right, made right, of people. Right. right. Um, oh, Mike Moody, our, our fellow uh, podcaster on this show, who took a hiatus from discussing the episodes with, or the individual issues with us, uh, he says, do you want a release of the Snyder Cut? Which is, I do you know what the Snyder Cut is? That's a no. No. Uh, yeah, so Zack Snyder directed Watchmen, and he was, it was very, um, it's a bit controversial how some people, some people love it. Other people don't necessarily care too much for it. And then there's this Snyder, Zack Snyder special cut of the movie, his, his uh, director's cut that, people want to see and they think it'll make it better somehow but i still feel like the underlying over the uh, the underlying substance of how he decided to adapt it is problematic regardless of if we get an extra 30 minutes of it <laughs> right <laughs> uh, like, i can't i can't speak to that i tried to watch the movie on the plane and it didn't happen yeah but tell me this i, I guess let me ask you this you're a you're a visual media guy I'm trying to say, just use a term that encompasses all visual media. VMG. I'm, that's what we call it. Oh, really? Video yeah. media jockey? Uh, visual media guy. Oh, visual media. Okay, <laughs> G. I, thought, I was thinking J. Sorry. Yeah. Um, you've seen a lot of TV. You've seen a lot of movies. Some would say too much. Others, not enough. My wife would say too so you're much. So kind of, you're kind of Goldilocksing it probably right in the sweet spot. What has been saved by a director's cut or maybe extra footage? Uh, Maybe not even saved. Let's lower the threshold for that. What has been made better? Okay, well, hey, I have an answer. Okay. Sorry to answer my own question. No, please do. There's only one right answer. Lord of the Rings. The director's cut? If you watch the extended edition all the way through, you spend a whole weekend on it, your life will be made better. But I'm not kidding. That third movie, Return of the King, was so fucking long. Well, it ends like six times before it ends. Right. Just like any good And how is that made even better? Is there like an eighth ending? <laughs> well, nothing, no, nothing's perfect in life, but you just have to kind of roll with it and appreciate right. it. Yeah. So the overall, the holistic view of it is that it's, oh, it's you need, better you with need, the director's Anytime cut. you have more Legolas, yeah, it's not wrong. <laughs> okay. But apart from that, what do you think? Uh, director's cut version of something... Nothing in particular is coming to mind that I've actually seen. I feel like when I watched The Daredevil with Ben Affleck, there was a director's cut that like had a few elements that made it a little bit more palatable, but that's not like I mean, it's, this is the most hot take thing you've ever said. It's from shitty to mildly less shitty. So I wouldn't say that's a glowing review in any regard, right? It's a shit sandwich that instead of seven pieces of shit and one piece of turkey, it now has... Like two pieces of turkey and like... Two pieces of turkey and five pieces of human excrement. 
Right, right. Yeah, so it's way better. Yeah, it's a little. I mean, if I had to you're choose still between not, the you're two, you're still not ordering that sandwich. No, yeah. no, I'm, I'm not paying full price. I'm sending, right. I'm sending it back after right. a couple bites. Okay, so uh, yeah, I'm sorry to go. That was just interesting. Uh, th- there's the, the other one that I've heard rumor of that was was supposed to be really interesting. Um, the Incredible Hulk. Edward Norton like wrote the script, and then like he really wanted to have his version released. That's a good movie anyway, though. But it's not a director's cut because he didn't direct it. It was like a prima donna actor's cut or something. Like he was going to re-chop it? Yeah, but yeah. like he wanted it to be this really um, really introspective like study on Bruce Banner himself and his like struggles with his emotions. And the Hulk doesn't pop out until like well past the halfway point of the movie. And I, lo- I love that. And instead... They got rid of a lot of the introduction part that he he had filmed because he like insisted they film it, and then it went on the cutting room floor. So that would be kind of interesting to me to see what his approach was, since it's a shit sandwich now. It could only potentially get better. I, I actually don't think that was a shit sandwich. I think that was a good movie. It was an okay movie. I don't want to watch it. It again. started in Brazil or something, and they're speaking Portuguese. Am I wrong? Yeah. That yeah. was incredible. Was it? They're in the favelas. And then he starts parkouring over the buildings oh to get God. out. To Come escape on. being angry. I loved it. Anyway. All right. Uh, another question comes to us from James Worm, who says, what is Laurie smoking? A friend once said, crack, that glass pipe that, that has that little uh, bobble thing in it. But I can't find any proof. Well, it was the 80s, so it most likely was crack. I think it's just, that's how their, their smoking devices for cigarettes are. I do too. I think it was a smoking device for a cigarette. However, uh, the reader, reader, whatever, listener is on to something. If you look at page 20-something when they rescue the people – sorry, spoiler alert. They rescue people from a burning building. On the top right of page 26, she goes, don't touch that. You want to burn down the whole neighborhood? And if you look there, there's lines on this guy's cigarette. So I'm wondering if this dude just got saved from a burning building and now he's lighting up a joint. Could be. I don't blame him. Like, because in the second page of this, you know, you see her with her her big old crack pipe looking cigarette thing that's got the little uh, ball at the end. And I f- feel like it's just their 80s alternate version of uh, a smoking device. Yeah, I think he was trying to be cool. Yeah. Last question calls, comes to us from Wolamort, who says, what do you think about the cult of Rorschach? Will it work? Okay, so this is a question that I, I guess you haven't seen the trailer but there's a modern-day alt-right cult that all wear Rorschach masks, essentially, although they're painted instead of, like, moving. It's just, like, a, a fixed painted thing with eye holes cut out. So it seems kind of like this modern Antifa. alt-right, KKK kind of thing. <laughs> Antifa, <laughs> okay. Um, that that uh, I think it's going to allow a very interesting take on current political, geopolitical issues going on, especially in regards to our current political climate in the country, um, without it being um, a direct commentary. Because there's there's a lot of friction between this group, who, who seems like a alt-right kind of terrorist group, a little bit fascistic, but their beef is also with the police and the control that the police have, which seems a little bit incongruous with, you know, wanting a... In the show, you mean? Yeah, yeah. So are they more anarchist than fascist? Yeah, maybe it's a little bit more anarchist, or they they don't believe in who might be controlling the police force. 
and huh. their, their accountability. I don't know. I love it. I mean, I don't know anything about it because I don't. I didn't watch the preview. But anytime you play with power structures and the friction between those and the push and pull, I think that's kind of what some of this series is about. And that would be pretty sweet if the TV show followed. Exactly. Yeah, so I'm very excited to see how that goes. Uh, folks, if you, once again, if you follow us over on Instagram, I'll put up a post every so often. You guys can ask us questions. We appreciate all of you who did do that so far. And we look forward to hearing your thoughts with our next issue, issue eight. But without further ado. Well, first of all, I wanted to announce our kind of award thing we're going to do, our sweepstakes. Oh, we kn- I know that I believe we have a Patreon account. Do we not? We do. So now it's issue seven. We have how many issues left? Does it go to twelve? Yeah. So okay. So we have whatever eight, nine, ten, five. eleven. So we have four more regular ones. So up until up until that midnight bell rings, that eleven fifty nine p.m. ticks over to midnight. By the end of the eleventh issue, the number one. What would you say, donor? Do these people donate? How does P- Patreon work? Yeah, you they, can they get offer as much patronage. as you want. Yeah, the per, number per one donor. Posted. Yeah, I don't. Do you have the Do you have the capacity to do this? Could we call them and do a quick five ten minute take with them? Maybe fifteen if it's going well. If they're not complete idiots, I don't know. Oh man, could you we say chat, that and then like, oh, could they we only chat, gave me five minutes. They must think could, I'm an idiot. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to say idiot. <laughs> you know, I was. It was all. I didn't know what to say. I'm sorry. If if it's going well, if we're vibing with them, could we give them five, ten, fifteen minutes with us to chat about the issue? Can you do that? Do you have the capacity to do that technologically? Yes, we I, could do that. I just thought of it now. I think we should do it. All right, more work for me. Let's do this. Fantastic. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, so uh, patreon.com slash who pods the watchman if you guys want to go in and get your pledges in and then eBay style make it fucking competitive, I guess. Oh, we're going to lie. And this say person's like, $1.27. So they we're gonna have win. A, we're going to have a running meter on an Instagram story. Yeah. All right, so which we, we're completely lying about to try to jack up the price. Yes, it's like a, it's like a silent auction, and then you get a, you get stuck with everything, you know, because <laughs> you're trying to support the church. And anyway, yeah. So hey, issue seven. Uh, do you want to give a quick summary of this one? Do you think we need that? Here? I think you should give the quick summary. This one is called A Brother to Dragons, and it's mainly about Night Owl and and Silk Spectre and his sexual reawakening. So we have Lori and Dan. Are those the, are those names correct? You know, I'm bad with names. That is correct. So we, you know, you remember that Lori, after John left and went to, I guess, Mars or the Moon or something, uh, she didn't have anywhere to live. She got kicked out of her residence in the federal government, and she ended up at Dan's sleeping on Dan's couch, or I guess his extra bedroom in New York City. Uh, you'll remember that he was obviously in the gang with them. He was a superhero. I guess what was his name? The Owl or something? Night Owl. Night Owl. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't pay attention to that stuff. <laughs> I'm thinking about bigger issues than mere names. Okay, okay. So she's now staying at his place. You know, he's making her tea, making her coffee. He obviously has a thing for her. It's sad. It's painful. We've talked about it. He's friend-zoned big time. And they talk. She goes downstairs in the basement. She's. Uh, Do you think he's friend-zoned big time here? Up until halfway through this issue, uh, yes. Uh, up until like day three of her staying at his place? I don't know. I mean, I well, feel that's like... A, well, obviously, we're going to talk about that. I'm doing the summary right now. Okay, fair so, enough. You know, fair I'm enough. I'm doing the summary. I, so. I, would, I would say friend zone's a bit premature. Yeah, but. I'm doing the summary. So we then have page three at the top left of page three. We'll see the reintroduction of the green sugar cubes, which will I will... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll never understand. This is not an episode where we're just going to talk about these fucking sugar cubes. Well, I would, if not, I would like that episode. <laughs> you have to promise me that episode. So anyway, so she's staying there. She kind of starts rummaging through the basement where she finds his old accoutrements. And by accoutrements, I mean his old costumes, his goggles, and his flying spaceship aircraft thing. Um, which is super sweet, actually has like surface to air, or I guess they would be air to surface missiles, air to air missiles, fog machine. It's completely, what's that called? Like radar invisible, like what, you know? Yeah, yeah, it does. It's non-detectable. It's like a stealth thing, like a stealth fighter. Yeah. Um, it's super sweet. She starts chatting it up with him, finds out that, you know what? There is a part of him that feels like he's just not alive right now. He feels, as you said, impotent. Um, he is watching the TV. He sees that, hey, the USSR, now that John is gone, Dr. Manhattan's gone, they're invading uh, Eastern Europe or Afghanistan or the, all the stands. And we're now seeing kind of the nuclear dominoes, or whatever they're called, line up and start to fall. And he feels impotent from that. And he feels like he's helpless, et cetera, et cetera. She actually, in one of the more startling parts of this whole series for me, she sees him takes, take his glasses off, kind of the Clark Kent Superman thing. He takes his glasses off and then she says, Hubba hubba, big boy. Mm. She likes what he is showing her. I love that Alan Moore wrote hubba hubba. Wait, did 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 he really? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. I was about to say. So uh, then she kind of mounts him, I guess. The the news is playing, and we have this one of the you know one of the more famous. I uh, not 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 famous, but well known and something that's done a lot here, where they're inter- they're going back and forth between like maybe a pirate comic book and then real life and then whatever. Here they're going back and forth between the news and then a concert and them on the couch, kind of maybe getting to second or third base. He unfortunately can't get it up, or fortunately, I mean that's life, right? It's not unfortunate, fortunate. It's just what happened and what didn't. He can't get it up. Projecting. Right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's okay. Let's, Don't let's, fucking judge someone who can't rise to the occasion. Let's all right. Move, let's move on. Yep. So he. <laughs> Is feeling impotent. Um, whew, that one hit close to home, man. And <laughs> he then says, you know what? Something is up. He wakes up. They kind of fall asleep on the couch. They're cuddling. It's cute. He then goes, she wakes up at 3 a.m. Says, Dan, where are you? Turns out Dan is downstairs looking at his old stuff, wanting wistfully to be night owl again. And she says, fuck it, man. Let's get in your Archie, which is Archie is the name of the uh, of his vehicle. And she says, let's go fly around the city. They do. Actually, pretty interesting. Right when they do that, like 30 seconds after launch, they see that an entire building in Manhattan is on fire. They descend. They put out the, what would you call it, like a bridge or something? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they put out some little extendo plank. They extendo plank arm something. They rescue all these people, one of whom I think tried to light up a joint after he's saved, which is fine. (laughs) And then they let them off on top of another building, call the cops to come get them. So it's pretty sweet. They just saved a whole building. And then while he has his suit on, he takes her into his arms, and it is pretty sweet because we have the nine-section pattern leading up to that, and then the last page is chopped up into, I think, like 10. It's like five by five or something, and then one. Um, So you can kind of see, you know, I mean, I think we know what happens whenever Alan Moore does that. Um, Are they making love? They're making love, and he kind of says that, yeah. He does like it whenever he has the cape on. He feels powerful. The news doesn't matter. The way the world's going doesn't matter. He knows he feels, he feels, what's the opposite of impotent? Reinvigorated. Potent. Yeah. Potent. 
he just had some of those lion bone or whatever they eat in China for as an aphrodisiac. <laughs> yeah. They they crush up some lion bones. Lion bone or Who something. Who knows what's going on over he, they, there? They, they, they crush up some unicorn horn. Yeah. And uh, he got his bone on. So that's pretty much it. It was kind of a domestic episode, really, like sitting around watching TV, kind of a lot of back and forth. I thought it was actually kind of boring until the end, which is then really sweet because then he says, you know what? I feel empowered. I want to get involved again in the world. And she says, oh, yeah, what do you want to do? And he goes, I think we got to break Rorschach out of prison. And she goes, huh? Yeah. What? Oh, she goes, what? Yeah. She goes, what? <laughs> and then it ends. So we it's know that it's- a cliffhanger ending. Yeah, which was pretty sweet. So, uh, you know, okay. So your thought, you just shared your thoughts on what you felt about this issue. Well, I shared, I shared my summary. Your summary, but you also said overall you found it a little bit of a boring issue until the very end. Uh, I thought this was a pretty- interesting glimpse into yeah there's there's the mundaneness of them just kind of you know walking around his house and then watching tv but the underlying like relationship issues that they explore with superheroes the solitary nature of what they do that they they don't have people they can they can kind of share their lives with spider-man Spider-Man, Batman, we've seen this in, in countless other like but superhero. Batman doesn't want to share his life anyway. Spider-Man does but can't. Right. I think that's a difference. But you go ahead. I'm not a DC guy. No, but I mean, I, I think it's interesting that we are definitely shown that Dan Dryberg, Night Owl, is very much just like Batman in so many ways. In his Batcave, all these devices that he's poured his his technical skill and his dad's money, his dad's money and his passion into like really theming everything out to be owl related. This, he has all these different themed suits. You even see the radiation suit that he has a little owl radiation suit. Yes. And I, I just, I, I like that we get this idea that this is a guy who is in his middle age and he's kind of losing a little bit of, um, an idea of his identity. Well, do you remember, did you ever watch Cheers? Yeah. Okay. Towards the end, Sam Malone, who was this really, can we say, how do you say that? Virile? Virile, yeah. He, he was, He was. He's, he's a guy, his personality is framed by wanting women, wanting to be a hotshot and good conversation, that kind of thing, center of attention. And towards the end, he says, I feel like I'm losing who I am because a woman wanted to go to bed with him and he just couldn't get into it. He thought, eh, I'd just rather watch TV. Yeah. We've got something similar here. This reminded me of that season eight Cheers. I mean, you and I, we're, we're men of a certain age. We're now in our mid-30s. This is getting close to the age where, you know, one don't, hits don't their, there. their midlife crisis, right? And I would say he's probably about mid-40s here in this comic. 40. We are not that old. We are not. No. But it still felt like there's there's some things that I could at least, to some extent, identify with in in him feeling like he spent a lot of his youth doing a lot of these adventurous things, and once he gave up his costume, he doesn't really know who he is. He feels uh, listless to some degree. He feels a little bit. Well, not only that, but he doesn't know what he likes. Yeah. You know, he probably knows he's a good guy and he can go out there and, you know, buy sugar and refill the sugar container. But this but was a man... He, no, he doesn't really like anything else. He operated 
with a huge degree of confidence, he's a person who put on a costume and went and faced off with criminals and who he went could to, have he, killed him. And he went to Harvard and studied ornithology. Yeah, let's not is, discount the intellectual aspect too. But now he has um, a girl living at his house and he's awkward and uncomfortable flirting with her. He's kind of mumbling in a goof about his little um, his little uh, ship and his other tools down in his cave. Harvard guys. And he's, he's just kind of nerdy and a little bumbling and awkward. And this is not the same guy he is when he puts on that suit. It really reminded me of what... Alan Moore was exploring with Rorschach with um, Walter Kovacs character. Like once he, he no longer associated with his real life persona, his Walter Kovacs, he now was fully in the tank as Rorschach. And that was his identity. And for him to lose his mask, it was for him to lose his identity. And then we see kind of a similar issue going on here with, with night owl, right? Like he no longer can recognize who he is when he doesn't have a suit on. Remove kind of similar and insert exactly the same. We have about two thirds of the way through. You're completely right. Where he has a dream and someone uh, like reaches up to his face and unzips Dan and underneath is the costumed person. So the real him, how he feels that he's himself is that. So you're totally right. I I would say it's only kind of in in the fact that he lacks um, Rorschach's self realization self-actualization like that he is the embodiment of his superhero persona that is who he is now and dan hasn't come to terms with the fact that he doesn't know how to be a dan dryberg without night owl and he's just been bumbling through this for like six or seven years absolutely right right yeah i completely agree yeah and and i I mean i guess but i think I, i also think that you know maybe maybe uh What's his name? Rorschach thought that he had to serve a purpose. He thought he was like maybe not humanity's savior, but he thought he served an important purpose that nobody else could or would. And he actually mentioned that a few times. Dan to me is more like personal growth. You right. know, he does want to be on his mission, but he wants to be on a mission for himself so he can feel that those those young juices flowing again, right? Which which to me feels a little bit more organic and heartier and more wholesome, you know? Well, I, I think what else is um, pretty – it, it, they do a good job of of articulating here the psychology of what's going on with him in that he also is now experiencing a world that has him feeling what every other citizen is feeling, completely powerless, like hopeless, and and not sure of what to make of this growing threat. Now that Dr. MAGA? Manhattan's gone and – Are you talking about MAGA? <laughs> Is that what a MAGA or, is? Oh, sorry. I thought, I thought we were talking about real life right now. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. But but the fact that um, he is now joining the rest of the citizens and not knowing about whether or not nucle- nuclear annihilation is right around the corner, he's watching the news and just feeling the the anxiety, but he's lost sight of the fact that he was a person that used to to know who he was and know how to take charge. and. He's able to regain that power by putting on the costume and 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 speak and, and look at look at page twenty six if you would middle right frame I don't I know you know a lot of people are driving or doing whatever but he looks like a fucking rock star this sweet contrajour against the day image of him against the moon flying a fucking rocket ship or spaceship right with- against the moon and he has a hand up and he's it's awesome. And then right below that is actually one of the sweetest frames. Like I think if I was going to blow something up and put it on my wall, 
I wouldn't necessarily do the Dr. Manhattan on Mars or whatever. I would do this frame. This is a pretty sweet, like, superhero frame. Reese Kistner, he has the, the Night Owl costume on. Mm-hmm. Got his goggles up, and he's holding her ah, in his arm. That's a real old, like, that's like a classic, like, like Superman, Lois Lane kind of thing, you know? Right. Anyway, I just think it was awesome. You're, you're completely right. He feels more, more at home, more like himself, and, like, the best version of himself when he is Night Owl, which is, which is cool. I, I'm, I don't know because I don't recall how the um, comic continues to unfold um, as far as like individual story is. But I'm wondering if Silk Spectre, Laurie's getting a little bit of, of <laughs> the shaft is what I was about to say, but uh, you know, pun intended there. Wow. Um, in that she's in a way, this is also a feature story for her, but there's not as much um, complexity and nuance to what's going on with her. It just seems like she is either oblivious to Dan being into her or she's just kind of used to guys being into her. But if she's, you know, once she takes the time to like recognize, oh, am I also into him? Then she kind of approaches him. I, and I feel like she operates in a world where... Do you like me? Check yes or no. Well, her mom was always using sexuality as, you know, original self specter that was, that was her thing. She used her sexuality as part of her her superhero prowess and she kind of forced her daughter into this world of use your sexuality as a weapon to some extent smoke them if you got them but she was pushed into this pressured into this reluctantly and i'm sure she had to face so many different people that wanted her so i don't like when you say like friend zoning dan i don't necessarily think it was the case that like she was just like pushing him off to the side so much as like she was ignoring his his weak attempts at any advances because it was and like she, and she's used to it. She doesn't want to deal yeah, with it. Yeah, it happens course. all the time, and it's like I don't know if that's actually a thing or not. But when she goes, yeah, I'm I'm into you. You know, she turns in, she turns to him, she approaches him, and she acts more maturely. She directly addresses it, and you know, she makes a move on him, and he's receptive to it. Yeah, and by the way, I was completely kidding with the smoke him if you got him. <laughs> I, I believe in STEM programs and you know equal pay and and all that. I, I don't want I don't want to come off as the bad guy here. Jesus Christ! Um, but I, so I guess I'll I won't ask my next question. Was you know do you think Lori's hot? So I, I'll we'll skip that one. <laughs> I, I think there's obviously a lot of um, sexual innuendo in this comic. You got like Archie going down the tunnel, emerging up the top. Like a like a, an erection almost, and then spraying on the fire to put it out, and I was just like, "Yeah, okay, we get it." <laughs> I mean, were were you thinking like just a boy and his toy? I actually didn't get that with the whole fire thing, but um, yeah, no, that makes sense now for sure. I mean, he he is pressing the button as he's making out with her, you know. I'm fascinated always by the cover images of these, and the cover image here is. His goggle lens looking at Archie with a fingerprint uh, smudge being uh, taken uh, of the dust being wiped away by Lori. And we later see that she had wiped it. She's looking at her finger. And uh, what that indicates is, um, you know, dusting off and and getting back into the game of, of being a superhero, like remo- removing the dust from it and and looking at your life through new clean lenses. Yeah, you know, right? and, exa- and I think that. The focus on the goggles here, for sure, and I'm so glad you brought this up um, and kind of matured the conversation from my juvenile 
my jokes. But <laughs> this is they're, they're, the goggles featured so prominently in this issue, and it's obviously about how do you view the world, what makes you view the world differently, and how do you view yourself? Because a lot of times we would see in the goggles, you're right, reflections of Archie, which is the ship, or I don't know what you call it. And then a couple of times you saw... The owl uh, ship, yeah. The owl ship. And then a couple of times you saw in the goggles, you would see them as well, like bottom of page four, bottom right. And then at one... In, oh, yeah. If you look at bottom, bottom right of page 10, you see him closing the door. And it's just so sad because, you know, he's kind of fumbling with with Laurie and everything like that. And it's just kind of, that's how he sees himself as this small dude in this big room. Um, it's, it's almost like the, the other character, like the, the identity, the persona that is night owl is sitting there judging tra- trapped yeah. and, and watching like kind of like a creeper, but, but also like this, this lost puppy who kind of uh, begging, no kind of begging to be out. I mean, I think that was, wasn't that the last um, toy story movie? You know, right? Which is really sad. Like, guys, where? What are your toys doing when they're up in the box in your attic? Like, bring those babies out, let them breathe. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. I mean, I think that was, you know, this this suit is representative, obviously, of his past and his uh, his power and his self confidence, and it's just dying to come out, but he can't get it out. And then what? I guess this is a question for you. What finally brought it out? Uh, well, he has this dream sequence mm-hmm. after after he, you know, failed. In trying to make love with her, and you watch the clock go by. They're watching this time. They're watching this um this program where Ozymandias is like doing some show at like eight o'clock, and then it goes, and then it's nine, and then it's ten, and then suddenly it's midnight, and the TV's shutting off, and they were trying for hours to to successfully have sex, <laughs> and. Finally, it's just like he rolls over and goes to sleep and she puts a blanket on him. And I'm like, shit, man. They 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 put in the effort really trying to make it work. But at that point, it was such a mental block on him. And and you have, you know, the juxtaposition between him uh, failing to perform and Ozymandias in peak physical condition performing on the TV. Say the word peak again. Peak. Yeah. Physical that <laughs> uh, condition pe- that piqued my interest, but um, you know all, all the all the words that the announcers are saying on the screen are supposed to parallel him trying to hook up with her, and then it, like he just can't perform. But okay, so he goes through this dream sequence, and we see what's this lady's name? I forgot um, in the photo that uh, it's her name yeah, is I mean, the Twilight Lady. Yep. And apparently he had some run-in with the Twilight Lady, which is a, a character from his past who might have been a villain. He refers to her as a vice queen. So it seems like some villain that he had an altercation with who's essentially like Catwoman. She's into bondage and she's very sexual and he has some sort of like kinky relationship that seems a little bit illicit some like he, he has some fondness wait, for wait, her right did you admit, did i where are you getting this the kink and the illicit well, what in well the she's world? got a little whip she's got her her mask on her her sexy plunging dress and i'm too innocent for this stuff i don't even notice this oh she's got a little cat of nine tails in her hand and it just feels kind of like She's the cat woman to, um, to oh, Batman. Yeah. Okay. She's a, a bad guy, but they have a, like a sexual flirtatious relationship. But when he goes into his dream sequence, it's her that he sees first. And it isn't Laurie. 
and he feels like an impotent boy around her and her power until she begins to undress him and she unmasks the night owl within him. And then he's able to then undress her and reveal Lori, the person that he does, he actually sexually desires now underneath her guise. And then he finds that he's able to actually passionately kiss her in the face of the, the impending apocalypse, the nuclear bombs are going off and he, he's not concerned about that. He knows who he is and he can approach the woman that he's, he's jonesing for and, you know, make the move. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, I think that you're right. Your interpretation is correct. Another one that, you know, it's not correct, but, you know, <laughs> is that also maybe, you know, that, that bomb starts to go off right when he starts kissing her. And so it's almost like he's afraid of what it's going to awaken in him, too. You know what I mean? Although he wants it, he's like, shit, where's this going to go? You know? That's right. Once I am happy, what do I do? If I put that suit back on, this could be the death of me. We could, I I could go somewhere I don't want to go. I've been unhappy for 20 years, but I've been safe. You know what I mean? Just putzing around, filling the sugar container. See, that's, that. you might be completely right on. And that is one of the most iconic um, scenes in this comic book is the, the skeleton silhouette. With the right, explosion, we, we, in the we saw it. We saw it uh, spray painted. Um, I think from Hiroshima or something a, f- a couple issues ago. Right, all the so graffiti artists are putting back, that couple, which kind of is interesting, right? Like, hey, we humans can destroy one another, and then what's left over? These remnants, these vestiges of of love or something. I mean, sorry to get like that, but kind of right, interesting. like like Pompeii and, and whatnot. Wait, yeah. say po- Pompeii, Pompeii, Pompeii. Yeah. Pompeii. Yeah, you you yeah. go to France for nine days, you come back saying Pompeii. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like that. Just kidding. We all know that it's not in France. So I had a couple more questions. Um, one, I wanted to ask about the. What, well, yeah, what, what do you think it means? The end quote going on here where it's doing a biblical quote, and it says, I am brother to dragons and a companion to owls. My skin is black upon me, and my bones are burned with heat. Job, chapter 30, verse whatever. Um, So this is a a biblical quote, and I I get the ties between owls and dragons for the title of the the issue, a brother to dragons, um, a companion to owls. So. What other time? That they're both flying mythological creatures? No, but... Neither of them are real? My skin is black upon me and my bones are burned with heat. Like, I I don't understand, I guess, the, um, you know, a brother to dragons that is generally, like, related to, like, your anger and fury, I I think. think. I think it's intensity, it's heat, it's passion. He's now saying that he's awake. Is a companion to owls, like, uh, like, wise... The wisdom of owls? Fuck or? no. I think they just used it because he found a biblical verse that used owls and the guys related <laughs> to owls. I'm not kidding. I, I, I think that line is a throwaway, but I think the rest are... Well, the skin is black upon me, but my bones are burned with heat. Um, either, you know, that could be he's burning with a renewed passion or he's he's the the burned husk of of the atomic bomb dropping on him or you've you've or, been you've been through a great struggle and a great challenge mm. and you've survived everything around you is charred and you are standing strong standing tall standing firm do you think that his great challenge was um finally hooking up with Lori <laughs> and he he overcame it and he was able to absolutely no i think his challenge was confronting his fear and just sitting around and putzing around the house for you know tw- i keep saying 20 years i don't know but i think you know that's hey comfort 
is the greatest, what would you say? Enemy? Not enemy. But being comfortable in life Com- sometimes. Comfort can... is complacency. And it's also one of those things that is so, you know, comfort is a habit too. So whether you're comfortable smoking cigarettes, you're comfortable being lazy, you're comfortable not asking for a raise, you're comfortable not doing what, learning a new language, you know, being comfortable is one of those things that really hurts you and you don't realize it because it just sneaks up on you every single day. Right. So I think that, yeah, I think that, I mean, at least for me, his great challenge, and now he's standing tall, going off to save Rorschach from prison or whatever. Yeah, he's feeling good about himself, and I, I think that's a pretty sweet verse. But I do think that a compa- uh, companion to owls is a for sure throwaway. Yeah. Um, so they also do something kind of interesting where they they show that he's having panic attacks about Lori when he hears the the explosion down in the basement, and you see him having these flashbacks to when. Um, Rorschach's talking, and they very, I, I thought it was clever. They show everything from the reverse angle of how he's seeing Rorschach from, uh, I went back and looked at those exact panels where he's quoted, and it's not a copying of, of the, the panel. It's it's flipping how the image is seen, so it's seen from Dan's perspective. Either he's looking at Rorschach through from behind him, and he sees himself in the mirror, or he's looking at the button, or he sees Rorschach pulling down his mask in front of him. Um, with the red light there, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's. I, I I thought it was just. It's it's nice that you don't see anything done half-assed in this comic. Um, they take the time to consider their scenes, and then they they really visualize them in in a 3D realm, in that they'll draw the same scene from you know different angles. I think that's neat. Wow, you're completely right. Page eleven, issue one. The middle frames, That's com- you're completely right. I did not notice that. And I think it speaks to kind of what we said or what I said earlier, that it was weird reading this one after two or three weeks break. Right. Because I would like to read it all the way through. You know, it is kind of like an Anna Karenina. And uh, this was pr- – that, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, right. really, really cool. I, I did not notice that. And thanks for pointing that out. You know, um, and the fact that we're doing this, like we're taking our time issue by issue, like going through this, it does seem like – more and more shows are in that binge mode where you can just watch all the way through a season. That bothers me so much. That really does bother me so much. There are certain shows where I'm like, this works for this format. It's good that I can just like watch all of it and feel like I completed something. And I, I, if I had to stop in, in between, I don't know if I would have the drive to go all the way through this show, but I, I find it rewarding at the end. But there's other ones where I'm like, now I've lost all of the the water cooler talk. I like the right. the week after week of like discussions of of theories of uh, analysis of book club, and we get to add this here because like we don't fully remember the end of this. My goodness, book club! This is a bit of a book club. This is a bit of a book club, and you know I love book clubs. Yeah, you know there's something to Casey Musgraves who is uh, maybe my top celebrity crush. If if we, I mean, are we too old to have a celebrity crush? No. Who's yours? Jillian Anderson used to be. From from Mulder and Scully or whatever? Yeah, when I was a kid, X-Files and uh, all that. Was it The Truth Is Out There or something? Yeah. Like, she who, was out there for Who's you. my current celebrity crush? I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily have If you say one. it's Ariana Grande, it's disgusting. <laughs> okay, well, then I won't say that. Were you going to? No. Oh, okay. Don't admit it if you were, because that's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure she's a lovely woman, but- 
it's just it's just gross. No, so um, Casey Musgraves, you know, she has a song on her latest album, Slow Burn. There's something to the slow burn. But you know what? I've been thinking about this, and I think that we are in this binge mode because TV shows now are more cinematic, right? They are more like movies. And hey, where is the where's the sitcom? Where is the sitcom? The thing that is made to be enjoyed really quickly, kind of like a mobile app, like Candy Crush. You use it for 30 minutes, you forget about it, and then a week later it's there again. Where is the uh, what was it? Week to week sitcom. Frasier. I mean, Parks and I mean, maybe I just don't watch TV anymore. But like, what I remember thinking the last good one was maybe Parks and Rec. I know uh, you like that one called The Good Place. I don't like that. Oh my God, The Good Place is one of the best television shows of all time. Um, the Good Place, uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine is pretty solid. Is it still on? Rick and Morty. Do you consider that a sitcom, or well, is it because it's, it's animated? On well, the, well, you, animated things are my favorite, but it's only on like once every one and a half years. Yeah, but they just got renewed for like four more seasons, and they've already like completed the next two seasons, seen the and they're going to air them back to back. Comic book. Yeah, I I started reading some. It's of good. It. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. good. Yeah. Anyway, and they, and they kind of do the Dungeons and Dragons theme, right? Uh huh. Yeah, it's really good. Anyway, uh, yeah. So okay, you're right. I guess there are a few, but generally speaking, I think you're right that people kind of binge things now, and we're just a bunch of slack jawed idiots watching Stranger Things. Which did you like this last one? I didn't see it. Hell yeah! I, I haven't I seen love, it. I love I love Stranger season Things. Season two, I didn't like. Oh. Anyway, that's a different thing. Okay, so so. Did you have any any thoughts kind of moving forward? Like, are you excited about this, seeing where it goes? I mean, I know that you've already you already know what happens, but uh, yeah, um, I think that them leaving this on a, a cliffhanger is pretty exciting because yeah, now we know they are off to go and rescue Rorschach, and this feels like an appropriate uh, uh, culmination of events, like. The, the gang is all assembling. They're putting on their suits. They're those, those they're, that are left in the gang. And once they all come together, they may now have the tools, the resources, and the information, the intel about enough of the clues that they'll be able to piece together what's going on and maybe start revealing the biggest mystery. Because we still need to remember, somebody's killing these guys, which I think you lose kind of while reading it. At least I do. I'm like... I just kind of enjoy seeing what's going on with the characters. I don't think about the overall picture. Right. Like, like, like reading this, I didn't think about Dr. Manhattan once, which is pretty wild. You yeah. Know, I mean, he's mentioned a couple times, but I like couldn't care less. I wanted to see what happened in that apartment building with Dan and Lori. Hey, what is it called in TV shows when they want to save money and they just do an episode that's all in one room or building? A bottle episode. This was kind of a bottle episode. Yeah. Did you think so? I was like, okay, they're saving money here. They're not having to make new sets. <laughs> no, no new set design. <laughs> Doesn't work that way with illustration, but oh, yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, definitely uh, a bottle episode if they were to film this. Yeah, I, I liked I liked this issue a lot. I think I told you I thought it was really boring at first, and then once I realized what was going on and why it was there, and how it was important in the in the entire like overall book, I thought, oh, okay, cool. He's finding himself. He's reawakening because he needs to. I mean, we can't like. How's the story going to progress if he's always sitting at home filling up his sugar container? You know, <laughs> he, being bored. <laughs> he's the guy who has all the money and all the resources. He has the owl ship. He's got the the grappling guns. He's able to um, fly them to whatever mysterious island. But he, wa- but he wasn't. Was he wasn't about. happy. Yeah, but but now he is. And you so, know, you know what Barbara Streisand said, people. Who need people? You don't know what I'm talking about. Is this from? You don't uh, know bad. You don't know Barbara Streisand. No, who is that? A, the singer? 
Jesus. Hey, so are you a couch she related sleeper? to Casey Musgraves? Are, are you so? Yeah. Are you somebody who uh, can sleep on a couch? I noticed they fell asleep on the couch here, and actually it was two of them, and she was spooning him, which goes to his impotence that she is comforting him. Yeah, yeah. Can you sleep two on a couch, a small couch in the nineteen eighties? I feel bad. Like she's doing a lot of the the legwork here in in the relationship with this guy. Like that's a relationship now. Well, you, you screw one time, and it's a relationship to you. She's trying to, she's trying to like initiate things with him, and then she works for hours trying to help him have the confidence to have sex with her. Then he falls asleep, and she puts a blanket on him. Then she has to be the big spoon on him. Like, man, step it up, Dan. But he did eventually. He does I eventually. Mean, he, who for their encore performance can get into a spaceship. A flying, I don't know. It's not a spaceship because it doesn't go into space, but it's a, you know, whatever. It's, it's, like, uh, a, it's like a... It's pretty, it's pretty boss level move there. I, I'd be like, hey girl, I got a spaceship. And be like, yeah. Now, yeah. now you can close the deal. It is pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, so I thought, I don't know. Did you have any last thoughts or any questions or... Uh, no, I, I think, um, I mean, this one doesn't seem as deep as like the last couple that were like, you know, really going into all the crazy shit going on with like Rorschach or, or, um, Dr. Manhattan, but I still think it was, it, it's a lot of good development. I like where things are going and I'm excited for chapter eight, which is called old ghosts. Yeah. So we are going to be, it looks like, you know, there's another four, Eight, nine, ten, eleven, so five issues, I guess, left. We'll be wrapping this baby up in about a month or so. I really hope that if you are listening, I hope you're still listening, that you, you know, I don't know if you're, I mean, get it at a library if you don't have any money. You know, get it anywhere you can. Maybe you can read it online. I don't know. I'm just saying, I think hopefully by now you're interested and you're reading it. Maybe maybe for the second or third time. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not saying go type in um, view comics as one word and then type in Watchmen and try and find a website that has put digitally up the whole thing there. Type it it into a typewriter? Like, yeah, maybe into a typewriter. Lycos, Alta Vista, Ask Jeeves. (laughs) Yeah, go go to Ask Jeeves. When was the last time you went on the internet? (laughs) Internet? Go to Ask Jeeves. Start up your modem. (laughs) So I would say your, real quick, if anybody's listening, your, your... introduction to the graphic arts was making revolving alien heads on your old Lycos account. Oh, God, no. Is, is that wrong or right? So tell me what, what percentage of that is right. It's, I would say, 85% correct. Oh, nice, yeah. Um, Lycos was in it. I had um, a GeoCities account, and then I had an Angel Fires account, and I, I made animated GIFs of, like, uh, rotating alien heads and expanding alien heads. My first website was... Um, one page was dedicated to a whole bunch of different alien images, like Area 51. I was like all into it. And you just like screen grabbed them or whatever from... Yeah, I would would save the image of like the sign outside of Area 51 or all these sweet photos people had had, um, broken into the um, operating room. And and you call them grays, don't you? I've heard you call them grays. Yeah, the grays are, are a certain type of alien. Um, they're the ones that's that like, the traditional one that's got the, the big head and they the operate eyes, on us little and nose. They, yeah. 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 Um, but there's, there's different types of aliens. Yeah. Um, so that was your first, and you know, Hey, Tiger Beat fan favorite. This is, this is insider information here for sticking <laughs> around to the end. Grant enjoys aliens. Grant enjoys aliens so much that when I went to the Peace Corps, he sent me a mini tape recorder, you know, not one of the big ones, but the ones that has the, this was back in 2005, 2006. So stuff wasn't totally digital then. And so it had the small tapes. And he wanted me to go around and ask villagers about their experiences with aliens. 
Did I honestly fucking do that? You did that. And, and did you I, record any? I never did because I had bitch. such a tough time integrating as a white guy into a village in Africa with no electricity, no running water. That was the last thing I want to do is go up to him with a tape recorder asking them about visitors from another planet. You really should have done that for me. I need you to do me a solid and you dropped the ball. So I did actually think of cool things. I thought of cool ideas. I thought of book ideas and I would tape those at night by myself in my in my little hut. And then the second week I got back, I left that out on the counter somewhere. I'm at, I'm at my parents' house. Actually, before I moved in with you, guys, this is more Tiger Beat fan favorite information, insider info. Before I moved in with you, one of my sisters, who was 10 years younger than me, one of her friends, they were drinking or something. You know, they were over at night and he found it and turned it on. And then I woke up and I heard myself downstairs and they were all laughing at me. Aww. And it was like, welcome back to the United States, buddy. Two weeks before you know, machine guns pointed at me. I was totally safe. I was totally, I felt, I felt like, what is it called? Night owl. What were they like 14? They were 14 or 15 drinking and making fun of my great ideas. I had, they're old enough to be cool enough that you're like, ah, fucking 15 year olds. It was just, I kind of thought I'm going to have to go and expend this energy to (laughs) defend, to defend my good name. You know, in my honor, like a Southern gentleman. No, so that's what I did with your tape recorder. So it ended up somehow with 15-year-olds laughing at me. Uh, If only you had interviewed people about aliens. I'm sure no one would be laughing then. Right. Missed opportunity. I'd probably have a Netflix special. Hey, uh, I know, Grant, you're going to do the outro, but uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. uh, Clay, thank you. Uh, Go ahead and plug all of your social media so everyone can find you. Uh. Yep, Clay does not have any social media. He still uses dial-up modems <laughs> and goes uh, to Ask Jeeves and web crawler. So, uh, folks, thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We appreciate all the support. Please go ahead and um, you know subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. And um, like it. Tell your friends about it. You can follow us on Instagram, over on Facebook, over on Twitter for all of the latest news and Uh, I think that we post this on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play. It should be over on Spotify as well. So plenty of places for you to go ahead and listen to this episode. And uh, you can support us at patreon.com slash whopodsthewatchmen. Real quick, fuck Chuck or Mary, any of the three characters here. Fuck Chuck... Oh, like uh, fuck fuck Mary Kill? Yeah, yeah, is that what you say? Yeah, yeah. how do you say that? Um, there's some alliteration. There's an alliterative yeah, quality with fucking Chuck. Mary fuck kill, I think. Okay, so right. so give, give me that. The, so out of characters in this last issue, this is something else I'm in. There's like two characters. <laughs> well, come up with it. Uh, I am going to marry the night owl for his money. I'm going to. Um, I'm going to. This is where you get in trouble with your wife. I'm going to have sexual relations with the Silk Spectre. And uh, who else is even in here? Um, I'm going to kill Archie, I guess. The, yeah. The ship. What about yeah. you? I'm going to fuck the sugar bowl. <laughs> You've been fucking that sh- I fucking that sugar bowl all night. I'm going to fuck that green sugar bowl. <laughs> I am going to for sure marry Night Owl. And I am going to kill... I was going to say I was going to kill his bad dreams, but those bad dreams are what made him the man he is today. So kill I guess, that male fragility. I guess <laughs> I'm going to kill that. Here. I guess I'm going to kill that guy for wanting to light up a cigarette or a joint inside of a spaceship. Like, you know, don't do that, man. Don't smoke. Yeah, Guys, but she does Don't it. smoke. <laughs> don't smoke. You're going to kill smoking. You're going to save yeah. lives. Don't smoke. All right. Thanks again. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll be back in a few weeks. 
we going to vacation again? Or or we'll be back like in a week or like a couple days. I don't know. We'll probably be back in probably six to seven days, guys. All right, bye.